0: Hello and welcome to the Beach House 34 True Crime and Paranormal Podcast. This is the reading of the Darlie Routier trial testimony, part nine. Now I'm continuing day four of the trial which occurred on January 9th, 1997. So first, let's just briefly go over some of the information that we learned in the last episode. And this is one we heard from Christopher Wilgis, the ICU nurse who attended to Darley. We also heard from Phyllis Jackson, a corporal with the Baylor Police Department, and Jody Cotner, the trauma coordinator on duty that evening. And just to briefly, briefly, like I said, recap. So, Chris Wilgis, the ICU nurse, um, he was the first one to testify in episode 56 and he said that he heard Darley say to the police that she had fought with someone while she was still lying on the couch he also said that Darley gave a pretty detailed description of her jewelry after being asked if anything anything was uh, stolen from the house and then he was finally asked if Darley had any blood on her hands and on her fingers and said that, yes, she did. And now Phyllis Jackson, the corporal in the Baylor Police Department um, actually said just the opposite. She was absolutely certain, 100%, no doubt about it, that Darley had no blood on her hands. But Phyllis is the first time that we hear about Darren, Darley's husband mentioned. Um, she said that Darren had on jeans and a white t-shirt he was down off in a separate room past the emergency department he wasn't at this time in Darlie's room and Phyllis was actually in and out of the room Uh, she said that Darlie was awake and oriented this is after Darlie's surgery Darlie awoke, she said. She also heard from the police. Darlie awoke with a man on top of her. He was a white male, shoulder length, dark colored hair. Uh, The reason Darlie was sleeping downstairs was because she had been restless and she didn't want to wake up Darren in the middle of the night. Now, Darren, at the top of the stairs, evidently heard Darley and then came downstairs. And again, the jewelry, the rings were talked about. And again, she is asked about the subject description. And the reason that there was some conversation about Darren, about getting him a set of scrubs because the police wanted Darren's clothing. Now, Jody Kotner was the trauma coordinator and in regards to the blood on Darlie's hands, she said that she did have blood on her hands. So we have the ICU nurse that says she did. The trauma coordinator said she did. The police officer said she did not. So a little bit of discrepancy there. She said that she had heard as Darley is talking to the police in the ICU unit, uh, said that she had chased a man through the garage and picked up a knife along the way. In a later conversation, she said she had woken up because one of the kids had been shaking her, specifically Damon. And as she got up to go towards the kitchen, Damon followed her, and so she told him to lie down. Now, Darren, as she's giving this, is now in the room while she's talking with the police and he kind of interjects and he says well that's when i must have heard you scream or heard you screaming and it woke me up and Darley says no you didn't so i thought that was very interesting lots and lots and lots of time was spent on darlie's bruising that occurred on both of her arms um, jody cottner the trauma coordinator said that she believes that the right arm bruise was about 24 to 48 hours old. She considered it fairly new and considered it blunt trauma. Now, she also said that Darley's right and left arms, the bruising seemed to have occurred there at different times. Now, one of the exhibits, uh, States exhibits photos of Darley's bruised arm has a date on it. And that date is June 10th and this particular photo is on the of the right arm, which Jody said that the bruising had been there about 24 to 48 hours. Now, I'm pretty sure and I know we'll get into this, but I'm pretty sure that Darley got out of the hospital on June 8th. So this would mean that that bruise on the right arm, if in fact it is 24 to 48 hours old, happened either the day of June 8th or shortly thereafter. So I'm really curious to see how that plays out. Now today, we're going to hear from two witnesses and they are Diane Holland and Paige Campbell. And they are the last two witnesses to testify on this particular day. Diane and Paige are both nurses at Baylor Hospital. And if you've been listening up to this point, you already know the entire background behind the story. But as always, if you'd like to start from the beginning, I'll have all the links to every single one of the episodes so far in the show notes. Now, both Diane and Paige are questioned by Toby Shook, the lead prosecutor at Darley's trial. And they are also both cross-examined by Richard Mosty, an attorney on Darley's defense team. So the first witness that we'll hear from is Diane Holland. And questioning begins with Mr. Toby Shook. Tell us your name, please, and spell your last name for the court reporter. My name is Lynette Diane Holland, H-O-L-L-O-N. And how are you employed? I'm a nurse at Baylor Hospital, okay? And could you tell the jurors your educational background and your professional training for that position that you hold? I graduated from Arlington University of Arlington And then the court interjects and said, You may have to speak a little louder, ma'am, so everyone can hear you. She continues I graduated from the University of Texas at Arlington in 1989. I started Baylor in 1990 in the ICU, neurotrauma ICU. I went then in 92. I became a supervisor. And then I started working in the surgical trauma intensive care unit in 95. I added on a position of supervisor slash educator for intensive care nurses in the surgical ICU and the surgical floor. Okay, are you a little nervous up there, Miss Holland? Just a little bit. All right. Well, just relax as best you can, and we'll try to put these questions to you as plainly as possible. Okay. Okay. So, how long have you been at Baylor now? Six years. Okay, and what particular part of Baylor are you employed in right now? Intensive care and then the floor as an educator. Okay, and what does an educator do? I basically coordinate the orientation process for the new nurses, new ICU nurses and floor nurses. And your other duties are the typical duties of an ICU nurse. Is that right? Correct. Let me ask you, if you came, were you on duty back on June 6th, 1996 of this year? Did you come to work on that date? June 6th? Yes. Yes. Okay. What time did your shift start on that day? I get there at 645 in the morning. Okay. And did you receive a patient by the name of Darley Routier during your shift? Yes. Do you recall what time that was? The exact time, I don't recall, but it was around eight o'clock. Okay, and you keep, I believe they call it focus notes. Is that right? Yes. Okay, let me show you state's exhibit number 53-C. Are those copies of Miss Routier's medical records that were kept there at Baylor? Yes, well, I don't know if they're all here, but yes, these are copies of them. If you could take a moment maybe to locate your focus notes Okay, okay. Do those notes reflect when you received her as a patient? She was transferred up to me at 8.05. five in the morning, yes. And how long was your shift that day? From 6.45 to 7.15 that night, okay. So did you have her as a patient the entire day? Yes, and she's in the ICU unit, is that right? Yes. How many patients did you care for that day? Just her, okay. And when you're in the ICU, you get rather intensive care. Is that right? Mm Mm-hmm. Are you pretty much there in her room and at her bedside at all times? Pretty much. I was in and out of the room all day long. I was her primary nurse. All right, and what type of patients do you usually have in the ICU? More critical, I should say. They're usually hooked up to more machines, ventilators, more monitoring equipment. Did she have any type of IVs hooked up to her that day? Yes, she did. And where was that hooked up? One was in her, they were both in her left arm. I believe one was in her arm and one was in her hand. Okay, I'm pretty sure. Okay, one was in one was in her left arm and one was in her left hand. Yes. Okay. Now, did you converse with Miss Routier through the day? Yes. Okay. Describe her condition when she arrived there in your care. She was calm. She really wasn't, she didn't show a whole lot of emotions. Occasionally, she would get tearful as I charted that, but she just. She never did actually burst out crying, sobbing, nothing like that. Okay. When you say sobbing, what do you mean? Like a loud cry, loud crying. She never cried. Have you seen that in patients before? Well, seen the sobbing? Not so much in patients because more of our patients are usually completely out of it. Okay. They're not awake. They're not alert. Okay, but with families, yes. Have you seen that with families that come to see their relatives that have been injured? Yes. Or families that are present when their relatives die? Yes. Okay, but you did note throughout the day that she was tearful at times. Yes. Okay, and could you describe those tears to us, please? The times that I noticed her, you know, her eyes well up with tears, is when she was looking at her boys' pictures. She would kind of put her hands over her boys' pictures and say, I can't believe my babies are gone. My babies are gone. And that's almost how she said it. Okay, and that tone of voice? Yes. Did she say that several times throughout the day? Yes. Okay, did she ever ask about the boys? Anything like that? Ask? What do you mean? ask how they died? No. she. How they arrived at the hospital maybe or anything like that? No. She never really said anything about her boys other than touching the picture and saying my boys are gone. She told me a story about how the older one, the older son, would go over to the neighbor's house and pick flowers, the flowers of the neighbor's house, and bring them to Darley and she would get upset with, you know, the boy to be going over and picking their flowers. That was the only thing she said about the boys. That's the only story she told you? Yes. Did you cry when she told you that story, like you're crying now? Yes. Okay. Did you cry throughout the day that day? Yes. Did you cry more than Darlie cried? It seemed that, yes. Okay. Did the defendant have her family and friends with her throughout the day? Yeah, they were in and out all day long. Okay, during the day, did you talk to her about what had happened to her? Darley was always bringing it up about the story of the intruder coming into the house or she had wakened up with the intruder over the top of her. She felt pressure from him and she tried to fight him off and ran out the garage. That's the same type of story that she told me and the different people that came in throughout the day. I heard that story at least three times to me and to other people throughout the day. Okay, so three times just to yourself and then to other people that would come in the room. Yes. Friends, relatives. Yes. Okay, did you ask her to repeat the story or would she just do this on her own? No, I never asked her to repeat the story, okay? I asked her to stop talking so much about it. Okay, why did you want her to quit talking about it? I felt that she was, that she needed her rest. She had been up since whenever this happened. She had not slept all day. And I felt that it was better for her to stop concentrating so much on it and start getting some sleep, okay, And she said that this man was leaning over her and she fought him off and chased him to the garage. Yes, okay. Did she ever give any type of description of the individual? No, okay. Did she say anything about his description? I kind of was questioning her, about, did you see his face? Was he wearing a hat? Did he have long sleeves? Was he wearing gloves? Do you remember anything about him? And she couldn't remember anything. Nothing about his face? Nothing. Okay. What color he was? Nothing. Okay. Did you ask her about why she went downstairs when she was attacked? I didn't ask her, but she told me that she was, she had been sleeping downstairs on the couches that week after they had bought a big screen TV. Her and the boys were sleeping on the couch too, and they were falling asleep in front of the TV. Were you present in the room when she was talking about how this man got in? Darren said something about the garage window. I was on one side of the bed and Darren was on the other. And he was trying, going through the story, trying to figure out, you know, the different events that had occurred. And he said that, quote, I'm positive I locked the window. And I think it was him that said, quote, the boys must have unlocked it sometime yesterday or the day before, something like that. He was saying that to the defendant? Yes, okay did you were you present in the room when the baby baby drake was brought in yes okay do you remember what time during the day he was brought in no i don't know what time he came in i want to say like two times that day two or three times that day what was her reaction to the baby the baby was on her left side And it was, I don't know who was holding it, one of her friends or her nieces, I don't know. But the baby was facing her and she reached up and kind of played with the toes. Quote, hi baby, how are you doing? Did she ever hold the baby? No, she never reached up. She never held her son. Did you also ever hear her talk about any suspicious cars around the neighborhood? Things like that. She mentioned that she had seen a car in the front of the house across the street that she had noticed that didn't look like it fit in that neighborhood. She had seen it there before, and it appeared to be like watching the house. Did she say when that had happened? She said, but I don't remember. Did she bring that up several times throughout the day? Yes, to me and to other people that came in the room. They talked about the car a suspicious-looking car. Okay. Did she give a description of this car at all? She might have, but I don't remember. Okay. Now, during your care for her, did you examine her wounds and see how she was throughout the day? Yes. Did she complain of pain at any time during the day that you recall? I believe from my notes, I don't really actually recall it, but from my notes it indicates that she did complain of pain in her right arm. Okay, right arm, Mm mm-hmm, okay. Any particular part of her right arm? I assumed it was her laceration. She didn't say, she just said her right arm. She had a laceration there on her right arm? Yes, okay. And did you examine that right arm throughout the day? It was, it had a dressing over it and I took the dressing off twice to show one of the doctors. And I believe we took it off to take pictures. Okay, let me show you some photographs that have been marked as States Exhibits 52-E and 52-A. Do you recognize those to be photographs of Darlie Routier? Yes. And do you see the bruises located there on the right arm? Yes. Okay. Have you seen bruises like that before? Yes. Okay. What type of bruises are those? What do you mean what type? What would cause that type of bruise? A severe accident. Okay. Do y'all refer to that as blunt trauma? That's more of a physician term. I mean, we would call this more of a hematoma. Something you see when a person has been in an accident. Yes. Struck something very hard? Yes. Or broke her arm? Okay. Is that a pretty bad bruise? Yes. Did you see any evidence of that injury on her right arm when you cared for her for those, what was it, about 11 hours? No. Okay. Do you think you would have seen evidence of that injury had it occurred on the 6th of June around 2.30 in the morning? Yes. Okay. Okay. You were with her for a total of 11 hours? Yes. You didn't see any sign of that injury. Nothing that there was nothing on her on her arm that would indicate this type of injury. Okay. That that would leave this type of a bruise. You're talking about her left arm or her right arm? Her right arm, excuse me. And is that something that you nurses in the ICU look for and take note of? Sure. Okay. Now, let me show you some photographs, 52-G, 52-F, and 52-H. Is that how, Mrs. Routier, you can just look through those, okay? Is that how she looked when she was in your care? Yes. Do you see the right arm in those photos? Yes. Do you see any evidence of injury of the kind of bruising that you saw on the other photos? No. No. Okay, nothing like what we see here in 52-B. No, okay. And had you seen that type of bruising or injury that would lead to that bruising, would you have made note of that? Yes. And is that something you would have told the doctors about? If I thought that they didn't know about it, yes. Okay. Mr. Toby Shook then says, that's all the questions I have, Judge Next, the cross-examination is begun by Mr. Richard Mosty. Miss Holland, I have, I think, your notes. Are your notes just on two pages? My written notes? Yes. Would you show me? I have a little hard time. There's D.N., who I thought was maybe you, but who is that? Here. Let me see. I don't know where your notes are. Okay, my notes start right here. Okay, what is your first, is that 820? Yes. And then what is your last note? Bottom of the second page at 645 or is that yours on the right? Right, where it says, quote, anxiety, 1645. I'm sorry, 1645. Is that your last one? that is what it looks like, yes. Do you sometime, sometimes put a D? D-H, yes. Sometimes you put D-Holland. The first note will be my full name, okay? And then from there, I just initials, okay? You just solved a mystery for me, okay? Miss Holland, when you came on then at the first took Darlie Routier into your care shortly after eight o'clock? Yes, sir. And you made your first, first note at 820? Yes, sir. And at that time, she wasn't just tearful. She was very tearful, wasn't she? That's what I charted. And tell us, when you chart these notes, do you try to be accurate and complete? I try to chart what I see. Okay, as accurately as you can, yes. And I guess part of that is that that becomes something that the later nurses can rely on in reviewing the charts and the treating doctors can rely on in understanding how the patient is doing. Yes, if they want to read it, yes. Okay, and are you trained that you ought to do that right at the time as you observe something? As soon as we have the time, yeah, we chart it and is part of that because everybody's memory is somewhat faulty and you might forget to chart something that is important. I consider it to be more you chart when you have the time to sit down and chart what has occurred. Do you agree with me that usually your memory is a little bit better the closer to the event and the quicker you can get that down? Sure. And then you go look for it. For instance, you might have a patient in there for months, correct? For months? Yes. Yes. And so, you know, your memory over that period of time, it's helpful to go back and look at that chart of a month ago, for instance, and see and compare how the patient is doing. I don't do that. But you agree with me. It's important and that your memory is better the closer you can to the event, the better your description might be. Yes. And not only you did that, and then to the right, you have another note. The first note is at 820? Yes. Is it not? Mm-hmm. Okay. And as a matter of fact, there was a chaplain present. Yes. At 820? Yes. And he was counseling with Darlie Routier, correct? Yes. You heard that? No. Or some of it, bits and pieces? Or did you stay away from that? Well, I did not really hear the chaplain saying much to her. Okay, but he was there to counsel with her in her grief. Yes, to support her. And you will, in that kind of circumstance, you would defer from your counseling. You wouldn't counsel someone if the chaplain was there counseling them, would you? What do you mean by counseling? Well, what type of counseling as a nurse do you do? Like when I'm other than medical, do you, obviously you do some medical counseling, sure. But mine is emotional or, or spiritual counseling. The chaplain is there assisting someone with their grieving process. And the family was there too, weren't they? Sure. Members of the family were there with the chaplain all together. Yes. And if he's sitting there assisting in the grieving process, you would stand back and let him do that, wouldn't you? If I had to do something to Darlie at the time, yes, medically, a touch, holding her hand, touching her shoulder, touching a family member's shoulder, I consider that support. Okay, but in this instance, you didn't. The chaplain was doing fine on his own. I mean, I don't remember, you don't remember that part? I don't remember what the chaplain said to him, whether I was there at the bedside when the chaplain was talking to them or not, I don't remember. Well, that sort of goes back to my points, all of our memories, we remember some things and we don't remember other things. Sure, and these happened just almost side by side, didn't they? I don't know. It was very tearful when the chaplain was there. That's all at the same time, isn't it? That's what I wrote, yes. And you remember part of it, yes. And you don't remember part of it. I don't remember what was said, okay, or what I was doing at the time. So I'm right, aren't I? You remember part of what was happening and you don't remember part of what was happening. Yes. As a matter of fact, then again, at 12 noon, you said that the patient had continued. Is that continues or continued? Continues. Continues to weep, indicating that she had been weeping all morning off and on, I guess. Yeah. From 8.20 until noon? Yes. You noted that she had continuously wept during that entire period of time off and on, I'm sure. Using weep for lack of a better term. Yes. Well, you thought that was an accurate term back in June of 1996. You thought that was an accurate term, didn't you? Yes. I think you described that she was holding pictures of her children. She had an eight by 11, I guess, framed picture of both boys. Of both boys? Of both boys. And part of your training... You learn at least a little bit about grief, don't you, as part of your nursing training? Yes, and you know that first, that everyone reacts different to different emotional events in their life. Yes, and that is there are any number of things that might affect that. Yes, whether you're a male or female. Yes, your ethnic background, for instance, very much so. You're, how you're brought up? Yes. And you're brought up in a touching family. Some families embrace everyone. Yeah. Some families don't embrace anybody. Sure, correct, true. Some families are very excitable. Yes. And then within a family, you might have some that are very excitable and some who are very subdued. Yes. Do you have brothers and sisters? Yes, I do. Are y'all different? Yes, we are. Do you react differently to different things? Yes. Okay, and that is something that is common in your nursing experience, isn't it? Yes. So going through the stages of grief, one of those is denial, isn't it? Yes. And that's the kind of thing saying, quote, I can't believe my babies are dead. It's a statement of denial, isn't it? Sure. One of the phases of grief, correct? Yes. And I guess, did you know a little bit about what had happened? Yes, I did. And did you know that Miss Routier was present when all this happened? Yes. And did you know that she knew and had been hysterical on a 911 tape? No. Quote, my boys are dead. My boys are dead. Oh, my God. Mr. Toby Shook then says, judge, I'll object. She said, no, she didn't know. The court then says, well, Mr. Shook continued, so I'll object to any further questions about the 911 tape. And the court then says, overruled, go ahead and ask the question. Let's just answer them one at a time, if you can. Give her a chance to answer, please. All right, go ahead. Mr. Mosty then continues his questioning. Well, one of the phases, at least in the people that you have seen, sometimes if they have seen the traumatic event, they block that. And some parts of it are sketchy in their memory. You've seen that, haven't you? I can't say that I've seen that. No. Never seen that in people? No. Have you ever been, for instance, in a severe car wreck? No. Have you ever had any kind of traumatic event like that? No. So you have no personal experience of how you might react. Not to something that traumatic. No. Do you deal sometimes with, for instance, automobile accident all the time? People? Victims? Yes, sir. All the time. And for instance, do they sometimes say, quote, I looked up and there was a truck and that's all I remember seeing was the truck? No. You never heard anything like that. No. Okay, they just described part of an event. The kinds of patients we have usually do not remember. At all? No. Don't remember some bits and pieces? No. Is that because they're so, particularly when you've got them, they aren't very communicative at all, I guess. True, most of the time. Do you ever spend any time with less severely injured people? Do you ever spend any time in the, for instance, the ER? Somebody comes in and is cut up and is treated or held for observation and let go? I mean, I haven't spent any time in ER, but I have had patients that are not severely injured that can talk, but that is not something that we, you know, that's not really discussed ever, really, the events of something. What happened? Yeah. As a matter of fact, it seemed like that's part of what you had said, that you did not want her talking about it, about this event. Right. Usually they don't talk about it. And you had said that you had encouraged the family not to talk about it and her not to talk about it anymore. Yes. And then, but she had in that sort of described on... I think you said she told the same story several times to either you or family members. Yes, that someone was on top of her. She felt pressure, felt pressure. I thought I wrote down on top of her when you testified the first time, didn't I? She woke up with someone on top of her and she felt pressure. I guess that's what I said. Well, you didn't say felt pressure the first time, did you? I believe I did. I don't know. Mr. Toby Shook then again says, Judge, we can check the court reporter's notes. Mr. Mosty says, Your Honor, this is my cross-examination. The court says, I understand. There's no objection. Let's just let the witness answer the questions. Go ahead. The witness then says, I believe I said that that's what she said. Okay. Just now when I asked you, what happened? You didn't say, quote, on top of her, you said pressure. She felt pressure. That was one of the terms she had said to me. She felt pressure because I remember that distinctly because we were asking her or I was explaining to her that she was going to have a vaginal exam done. Quote, do you remember anything about having... Do you remember him doing anything like that? And she said she felt pressure. She doesn't remember anything else. And then you also talked about a description of the assailant. I was questioning her earlier if she could remember anything about it. Yes. Why? If you didn't want her to talk about the event and you're telling her not to talk about it and the family not to talk about it, why were you questioning her about the assailant? Because this was earlier in the day. It was earlier in the morning and she was trying hard to remember what happened. And she was discussing it with me and I started asking her some questions about it. So you questioned her at that time? Yes. And at that time, she didn't describe the assailant at all. She couldn't remember him, no. It was entirely gone from the halls of her memory as Mr. Mulder would say. Well, yes. Now, one thing that I noted that you said when we were talking about your chart, I think Mr. Shook asked you about pain. Mm -hmm. And if I remember what you testified to, you said, quote, I didn't remember the pain until I looked at my notes. Is that right? I remember her giving her something for pain. I do not remember her specifically saying, quote, I'm hurting, may I have something for pain. But you know, but I know I gave her something. The point of that was, until you reviewed your notes, your notes refreshed your memory on that question about the pain, didn't it? No, I remember giving her medicine for pain. Did you testify earlier that you didn't remember it until... You did remember some question about pain, and I'm not sure which one it was, but that you didn't remember some question about pain until you looked at your notes and then you remembered it. Isn't that what you testified to? I do not recall back on June 6th, her telling me that she was hurting. I remember giving her something for pain though. Well, I know she told me because it's in my notes. Well, when you look at your notes, At 1130, for instance, quote, patient complaining of pain. Yes, and that's something that you don't have any independent recollection of, but you know from your notes that it must have happened. Yes, okay. Now, when did you come down? When did you come down to Kerrville? To Kerrville on Monday night. Have you written out any report or affidavit or anything for the police or the district attorney in this case? No. When did they tell you that, when were you called and said, you need to come to Kerrville to testify? I think I was subpoenaed. I don't remember either after Christmas or before Christmas. I don't remember. Okay. And when did you receive instructions to, you know, you need to be in Kerrville on such and such day when I was given the subpoena? Okay, it said, come Monday, January 6th? Yes, it came with the subpoena. Okay, and how many times have you visited with the district attorney's office or any district attorney representative? From the start? Yes, five times. Five times? And who would be, who would those be with? I met with Toby and Anita and Bosillo. Okay, and how long ago was that? Well, months? Yes. What do you recall about that conversation? Which one? The first one. The first one, we went over my notes. We went over different things that she had said to me that day, different things that I noted that day to myself that I could remember that is not written down anywhere, just bits and pieces, the things that I recall. And there were four other visits after that one. When were those? Again, one was at the hospital, you know, like a month after the first. And we basically went over the same things. Same people? No, Toby was with us this time. It was Anita and Basilo the first time. And then Toby and Basilo. And I only spoke with Anita that first time. Okay. And the third time? The third time they were at the hospital again to talk to somebody else. And since I was there, I talked to them again. Okay, and who was that? Toby and Basilo. And the fourth time? The fourth time was, I believe, Tuesday night this week. Okay, and the fifth time? Wednesday night. Okay, Wednesday night? Yes, okay. Now the, I don't think I asked you, the fourth time, it was this morning, excuse me, this morning. Okay, two times since you have been here. Yes, okay. Let me ask you a couple of questions about these exhibits. Let me show you 52-H, and do you notice a redness upon Mrs. Routier's upper arm? A little bit, okay. Is that consistent with some kind of, I don't know. I mean, it could be a blood pressure cuff probably was there, because we wouldn't have put the blood pressure cuff over here. Do you think that blood pressure cuff at this stage would still be showing as a redness on her arm? By the time she is up in the ICU? It could, yes. Okay, is that your opinion that that's what it was? I don't know what it is. Okay, it could be you don't have an opinion? No, it could be. It could be. It could be a number of other things. Yes. Okay, let me show you a 52-N. And do you notice any bruising on that? Yes, yes. And is that sort of around the wrist? No. That part, is that consistent with something being around the wrist and causing bruising? It doesn't look like it. Do you have an opinion as to what would cause that kind of bruising? She had an arterial line in the left radial. This is from her arterial line here. All right. This, the hole there, this hole and this yellow yellowish looking stuff up here. This could be from an arterial line. I don't know. That could be. Okay. Now, do you not note a bruise that appears to go like that of a different color, sort of a different bruise across what I call the bottom part of the wrist since I don't know better? Do you notice a difference in that bruise or a separate bruise? Or I mean, it looks like there's two different bruises there, but I don't know. Okay, so you can't draw any conclusions from those bruises. No. Okay. Now, when did you, at the meeting Tuesday night, that was with Mr. Shook? Is that Toby's last name? Toby, I mean? Yes. You didn't know his last name? I couldn't remember it. All right. And besides you and Toby, who was there? Who was in this meeting? Her. Her Miss Wallace? Yes. Okay. You didn't remember her name at all? No. All right. Who else? That was the first night I had met her. Okay. Tuesday night. And that is the only time I have talked to her. Who else was there? Basila was there, but I wasn't talking to him. I talked to those two. Who else was there? Pardon? Who else? Just them. Okay. Okay. And in the meeting on Wednesday, who was in that meeting? Excuse me, it wasn't Wednesday, it was this morning. I'm sorry, this morning? Yes. Who was in on that meeting? Just Toby and I. You weren't in a meeting then with Nurse Cotner and a number of the other nurses the other night? Was that when they brought the pictures? Is that what you're referring to? Well, actually, I'm not referring to anything. I'm just trying to inquire Were you in a meeting with the prosecutors and Miss Cottner and Nurse Cottner and several of the other nurses? We were told to meet, I believe, at twelve o'clock noon in there in their room, Wednesday, I guess it was. Who told you? I don't consider that a meeting because it wasn't we weren't going over our testimony, really. Oh, okay. Let me make sure that I'm clear. When I talk about meeting, I want to talk about any time that you were present with Toby and y'all conversed about the case. I don't need to know about when you conversed about lunch or other things, but when you conversed about the case. I'm not trying to quibble about what is a meeting or what's not a meeting. Okay, fine, okay. So can I call, who summoned you to this meeting? Is it okay if I call it a meeting? Sure, okay who summoned you to this meeting Wednesday at lunch? I got a call from the operator of the hotel saying that, you know, they left a message with her. They meaning Toby? Yes, okay. And was it a message that you were supposed to meet Toby in Toby's room? We were supposed to meet at 12 noon in Toby's room. And who's we? Everybody, all the Baylor people, okay? And who do you recall being at this meeting Wednesday at noon? The Baylor nurses. Okay, do you remember, can you give me names? Jody Cotner, Cotner. Yes, Jody, I don't know his last name. Male ER nurse? Yes. Uh, Fitz or Pitts? Yes. Okay. Chris, the two ICU? Wilgus? Yes. Paige Campbell and Denise Falk. Okay. I believe that's it. Pat Dillon, I believe, was there too. Oh, the doctor? Yes. What about Dr. Santos? Was he there? No. Okay. And so all y'all meet with Toby. I believe Bosello was there too. And Bocello. Yes. Okay. And that I take it is the first time you ever saw these pictures. Yes. These 52 numbers. Yes. For the first time. And did you all look at all of these photos? Yes. A handful of photos of Mrs. Routier in the ICU unit and the ones that were not in the ICU unit and some later ones. Yes. And I guess y'all sat around, how long did this meeting last? 45 minutes, an hour maybe. Okay. And did everybody participate in it? We were all passing pictures around and looking at them. And discussing, and discussing them, yes. What they showed or what they didn't show, yes. Okay, and for instance, did Dr. Dillon express his opinion? Sure. Put in his two cents worth? Yes. Did you put in your two cents worth? Yes. Did Nurse Cottner put in her two cents worth? Yes. Did Paige put in her two cents worth? Yes. Did, was Phyllis Jackson a security person there? I don't remember her there. Okay. Because she wouldn't know what Wilgis threw in his two cents worth. Yes. And y'all talked and sort of brainstormed about what these pictures showed and didn't show. We talked about what we saw. Okay. And you sort of, you know, I see this and somebody else didn't see that. We talked about basically what we saw in Darley the day we had her and that it wasn't there. Okay, those bruises were not there. And y'all talked about bruising in general, didn't you? Yes. And Dr. Dillon gave you his opinion of bruising and how long bruising takes and things like that. Didn't he? I don't recall him saying anything about how long bruising takes, but yeah, we discussed all that. All right. And did Toby throw in his two cents worth too? Yeah. And did Bacillo throw in his two cents worth too? I think so. And at the end of the day, did y'all reach a consensus about what your collective opinion was? No, you had just discussed it all. Yes. And then everybody just happens to draw their own conclusion. Yes. Okay, and that conclusion was what? As to the age of those bruises. My conclusion? Yeah, those bruises were not consistent with the injury that I saw on her right arm. Okay, what about the left arm? The left arm, I was not sure. Okay, so you think on the left arm that those bruises may have been consistent. They could have been consistent with the arterial line causing that type of bruise. Okay, So your opinion was, at least, that the bruises on the left arm could have been inflicted on June 6th of 1996. Isn't that right? It could have, yes, sir. Okay. And so if someone had sustained blunt trauma on their left arm on June 6th, 1996, that would be consistent with your idea of the age of that bruising. On the left arm, yes. Yes bruising was here on her wrist and that could have been consistent with the arterial line being inserted. Yes. Okay. Well, of course there's a lot more bruising on the left arm than just there at the wrist. Isn't there? Well, I thought it was the right arm that had the large bruise. You don't remember any large bruise bruising on the left arm? I didn't see any bruising on either arm the day I took care of her. Okay, I'm talking about the pictures you looked at at the meeting when y'all had the brainstorming session on Wednesday. She had a bruise on her left wrist, okay? And whatever it was, the bruising that you saw on the left arm, it was your judgment that that could have been inflicted on June 6th at the time of the arterial injury. Yes. So whatever the bruising was on her left arm, when it's photographed on June 10th, in your judgment, could have been four days old. May I see the pictures again? Sure. Now, I don't know that those are the, these are the pictures that have been introduced into evidence, okay? So I don't know that these are the ones that y'all sat around and talked about. Do you want to see the left arm, the right arm, or all of them? Well, if you're referring to the left arm, there's a bruise down there I don't remember seeing a picture with her. Well, where do you see this bruise going up? It's right here. Okay. But, and this picture, it shows to be taken on June 10th. Okay. Correct. Yes. So in your judgment, that bruise on her left arm could be four days old. Could be. From whatever the source of it, let's don't quibble about what the source of it is from whatever the source that is consistent in your judgment with a four-day-old bruise? It could be yes. Okay, now, did you say that the right arm you didn't think was consistent with the four-day-old bruise? I would have noticed something the day I took care of her on her right arm that would cause that kind of bruising and not just the laceration that I saw on her arm. Okay, so are you making your judgment, not upon the pictures, but upon what your memory is? Well, I mean, you say you would have seen something that indicated that bruising. Is that what you're telling me on the right arm? Yes, there would have been something on her right arm. Okay, but so just looking at the pictures, can you draw any conclusion at all that setting aside here, you know, your personal involvement looking at the pictures, can you draw any conclusions as to how old the bruises are on the on the right arm are? No, none at all? No, okay. Does it seem odd to you that a person would have those kinds of severe bruises on both arms at different ages? Mr. Shuck then says, judge, I'll object to speculation. The court then says sustained. Mr. Mosty continues, do you feel you're not qualified to answer that? Mr. Shook again says, judge, I'll object to speculation. The court then says, sustained. Go on to the next question. Mr. Mosty then says, well, nurse, if I understood the reason they had you in this brainstorming session on Wednesday was because you, the state, apparently felt that you had some opinions. Mr. Shook says, judge, I'm going to object to sidebar. The court says, overruled. Mr. Shook says, giving his opinion as to what we felt. The court says, overruled, go ahead, I'll let him ask that. Mr. Mosty then continues. Well, you were invited to this meeting by, you were instructed to come to this meeting by the state, weren't you? Yes. I assume that they thought maybe you had some. Mr. Shook then again (laughs) says, judge, I'm going to object again to what he thinks we thought. It's totally irrelevant and it is speculative and it is also sidebar. The court then says, I'll sustain that objection. Let's ask another question, please. Mr. Mosty then says, back to questioning. Well, did you express opinions about those bruises at the brainstorming session on Wednesday? I expressed what I'm expressing today. I did not see it, a wound on her left arm or her right arm that was consistent with that type of bruise. You feel qualified to make some estimation of ages of bruises, apparently. No? No, you don't? I mean, I really don't. Do you think that's something that the nurses really aren't qualified to do, an RN? Well, it depends on what kind of injury. If I knew it was a horrible injury, it would be consistent with that type of bruise. And as a matter of fact, it depends upon the person too, doesn't it? Sure, yeah, it does. I bet I bruise differently than you do. Yes, you do. And that's a function of what all kind of variables go into that. Bleeding time, her hemotocrit how much blood she's lost, her clotting factors, all of that type of stuff. Things like age, yes. Size, size of a person, I don't know. Would that have any effect? I don't know. Okay, don't know. What about skin coloration? Dark-complected people, light-complected people? Well, it's harder to see on dark-complected people. And if you're, you talked about one of the things was hematocrit, yes. If in other words, if you have lost blood, then there's less blood in the entire system to flow and start bruising. Well, it's a lot of different factors of what your blood is doing at the time. Is it clotting? Is there, you know, is there more of this substance or that substance? I can't answer all that. Volume, volume of blood, quality or quantity of blood. Yeah. Things like diet, can that affect it? I mean, what you've been eating? Yes, if you're anemic. Yeah. Okay. Mr. Mosty then says, I'll pass the witness. And at this point, Mr. Toby Shook gets up and begins his redirect. Mrs. Holland, when I called you and asked you questions about any bruises you saw, did I ever ask you to all of a sudden the court interjects and says, I think now it's four o'clock. If we're going to stay until five o'clock, I think we'll need to take another brief 10 minute break. So then they go off and (laughs) right as he begins to question her, um, they take this 10 minute break. They come back in. They both agree that both sides are ready to bring the jury back in and everybody is ready. So then the questioning resumes and Mr. Toby shook, um, starts by asking kind of a different question and says, "Miss Holland, in regards, well, I've met with you, obviously, several times. Is that right? Yes, sir. Bugged you with a lot of questions, didn't I? Yes, sir. Usually the same ones, sometimes. Repeat, sometimes I would come up with new ones. Yes. This week, calling you at around noon, do you remember if that was Wednesday or Tuesday? It might've been Tuesday. I don't remember. Okay, I'm kind of lost on my days this week. Okay, could you, could it have been Tuesday instead of Wednesday? Yeah, and asked you some questions and showed you some photos. Yes, okay, did at any time? I suggest to you to get together with the other nurses, come up with a story, come up with a lie, anything like that. Absolutely not. Okay, did I ask you questions about what you remembered? Yes. Okay. And what you saw on her arms. Yes. And the same type of questions I have asked you in front of this jury. Yes, sir. I also told you we were a little behind schedule. Mr. Mosty then says, objection, leading. The court says, sustained. Mr. Shook then says, okay, well, did I talk about other things other than those photos and bruises and things like that? Not that I recall. No. Okay. Okay give you any idea about, you know, maybe when we could possibly get you out of here to testify. I don't remember. Okay. I haven't ever told you to make a story up, anything like that. Have I? No, sir. Okay. As far as what you saw on Mrs. Routier's arm or what you didn't see, you stand by what you have told this jury. Yes. Yes. Okay, and you didn't see those types of injuries that would cause, Mr. Mosty then says, object to leading. The court then says, yes, let's phrase our questions the right way, please. Mr. Shook then says, now defense counsel talked about certain patients that you have seen that might not remember things that have happened to them, like a car wreck. Correct, okay. Have you come across that before? Yeah, okay. Do they just remember parts of it? or they just don't remember the whole event. To tell you the truth, usually people don't talk about it. And if they do, they don't remember it. There's nothing to talk about because they don't remember. They don't remember being in the ICU. Okay, it's all just a blank to them. Yes, entirely, yes. Okay, you made notes in your nurse's notes, the focus notes about the defendant being tearful. Would you describe those tears to us, please? Her eyes would well up with tears, basically just like I did when I started, but I never recall tears running down her face, okay? I never recall her using a tissue to wipe her tears off. I don't remember her doing that, okay? Mr. Toby Shook then says, that's all the questions I have. The court then says, Mr. Mosty, anything? Mr. Mosty says, yes, sir. The court then says, all right, and so Mr. Mosty gets up to do a recross, well, have you ever heard the phrase a roller coaster of emotions? Maybe, I mean, yes, probably. That's not unusual. Yeah, matter of fact, that's part of the four stages of grief is that from anger to denial to Mr. Shook says, judge, I'm going to object to counsel testifying again what he says, the four stages of grief. Court says overruled. I think that maybe within the lexicon of a trauma nurse, all right, go ahead. Mr. Mosty then continues. And that's the kind of thing you see that, you know, people's mood changes. People laugh at funerals as a stress relief. Yes. And you talk, did you express an opinion about whether or not people usually block out a whole event or selected portions of one? Did you express an opinion on that subject? State the question again, please. Mr. Shook was asking you about what you saw in terms of people who have been through a trauma and what their memory was. And as I understood, he was asking you if people block out the whole event or parts of it. And did you express an opinion one way or the other on what one would expect on someone who has been through a traumatic experience in terms of memory? Usually people don't remember the traumatic event, the car wreck or whatever it was. Well, what kind of amnesia is that called? A short-term memory loss, I don't know. But it's called localized, isn't it? I don't know. Okay, well, tell us what selective amnesia is. Do you know the four types of amnesia? No. Okay, do you know the difference between circumscribed amnesia, sometimes called localized amnesia? Mr. Shook then says, judge, I'll object. The witness has already answered. She doesn't know. The court says, well, I'll let him ask the question. Mr. Shook says, about the four kinds of amnesia. The court says, I know, but I let him ask the question and I think that will clear it up. Mr. Mosty continues, do you know the difference between localized, sometimes called circumscribed amnesia and selective amnesia? I have heard those terms before, but I don't know the medical definition of them. And one is where the whole event is blocked, and the other is, Mr. Shook again stands up, judge, I'm going to object, and the court says, I'll sustain that objection. Mr. Mosty then continues, do you know, do you know, whether or not circumscribed amnesia is the blocking of a whole event? Mr. Shuck again says, Judge, the witness has answered. She doesn't know. The court then says, I'll let her answer this question. Mr. Mosey then continues. Do you know that whether or not circumscribed amnesia is blocking of an entire event? No, I don't know that. Do you know whether selective amnesia is the blocking part of part of a traumatic event? The term selective means it's Selective amnesia selecting part, yes, but I don't know the exact definition of it, no. Do you know that those types of amnesia are oftentimes associated with traumatic events? Do you know? No. Mr. Mosty then says, that's all I have. Mr. Toby Shook says, nothing further. The court says, thank you very much. And then they continue on. She steps down and the next one up to testify is Paige Campbell. Next, we begin the testimony of Paige Campbell. And again, the direct examination is begun by Mr. Toby Shook. Could you state your name, please, and spell your last name for the court reporter? Allison Paige Campbell, C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L. And how are you employed? I'm a registered nurse at Baylor and I'm in Dallas. Okay. And could you tell the jury your educational and professional training that you have for the position that you hold? I have two degrees. My first degree from Texas Tech in zoology. My second degree I got at UTA and I have a Bachelor of Science in Nursing. How long have you been at Baylor? Two years in February. Okay, and what part of Baylor are you assigned? Well, I'm with the ICU and just a neurosurgical trauma. And what are your duties there? To put it in a nutshell, I monitor patients, critically ill patients, and that sounds like a small thing, but they're changing constantly. So we monitor them, make sure that they are hemodynamically stable and kind of coordinate the family and the doctors. That's kind of it in a nutshell. Okay, let me ask you if you came on duty on June 6th, 1996. Mm-hmm. What time were you working that day? I came on at 6.45 p.m. in the afternoon. Okay. And was Darlie Routier one of the patients there in your wing? Yes. Okay. She was. In fact, you were, were you assigned as her nurse for some time during the evening? Yes. How long were you, her nurse? For four hours. Do you see Mrs. Routier here in the courtroom today? Yes. Okay. Would you point her out, please? She's over there, right there. Seated at the end of the table? Right. Mr. Toby Shook says, Your Honor, if the record could reflect the witness has identified the defendant. The court says, Yes, sir. Mr. Shook then continues with his questioning. At what time did you first meet Mrs. Routier? I would say I took reports at 6.45 and I met her, I would say seven o'clock. And what was her, how was she when you took over? She was calmly lying in bed. She was laying in bed, no complaints, okay. Not in critical condition, was she? I wouldn't say she was in critical condition, no, okay. She was stable, okay. And did you tend to her through the night? Yes, I did. Were there other people in the room with her? There was friends in the room with her when I was there. How long were they in there? I would say until about 9, 9.30. Okay, and did you speak to her? Yes, I spoke to her. Okay, did she seem alert and lucid? Yes. Know what was going on? Yes. Okay, did you ask her about what happened or did that ever come up? Yes, I asked her about what had happened. Okay, what, did, what do you recall her telling you about it? The main thing that stands out in my head from what she said was that a man was over her and trying to stab her, okay? At some time during the night, did you ever look at her left hand and examine some injuries there? Yes, okay. How did that come up? Do you remember? I noticed some cuts on her left hand. And I said, what is this from? And she said, this is where I tried to grab the knife. Something like that. Okay, now could you describe the cuts? I can, they looked like paper cuts to me. They were scabbed over and just right on the surface, not oozing or there was no redness around them or anything. Not serious at all? No. Let me show you what's been marked as States Exhibit 28-D. Do you see the type of injuries you're talking about? Yes. Uh, Point them out to us right there and there. Okay. Were you also present when a pelvic exam was done by some doctors? Yes. Okay. And did she make any statements about what happened during that exam? All I remember, the thing that stands out in my mind during the time was that she, the doctors asked if she could identify the man and she said, no, I never saw his face. Never saw his face? Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you make notes throughout the evening whether Mrs. rutier was crying? Yes. At the first of my assessment, I made some notes. Okay. And could you describe how she was crying to the jury, please? She was whining She was saying, my babies, my babies, and I never saw a tear run down her face. I never saw anything like that. She never asked for a Kleenex. I never felt the need to offer her a Kleenex. She was just whining. Okay, said the same thing, my babies, my babies, my babies. Okay, did she make any other statements? Well, let me ask you this. Did you try to get some of the people out of the room from her? Well, in consideration of what had just happened earlier that day, I said, quote, okay, you know, I will be the bad guy here. If you need, whenever you want to be alone, if you need me to get these people out, I will get them out. I'll kick everybody out. And she said, she goes, I just need a lot of friends and family here in this difficult time. Okay. Is that how she said it? Yeah. I mean, just in that same tone of voice? No, okay, what kind of tone of voice was it? Well, she just, I need a lot of friends and family here during this difficult time. Was she crying at all? No, when she said that, no. Okay, now later on in the evening, did you bathe her? I helped Denise bathe her. Okay, who was there with you when you did that? Denise, is she another nurse? "'She is another nurse, yes. "'And about what time did that take place? "'I think probably around one, okay? "'And did Mrs. Routier have some blood on her? "'Yeah, she had a little bit of blood. "'She had a little bit of blood on her forearm, okay? "'And did you wash that off at the time? "'Yeah, I washed it off. "'Did you also wash her feet? "'Yeah, I washed her feet off earlier.' What time did that take place? That happened probably around eight o'clock because her feet were covered in blood and that caught my attention. So I washed that off after I assessed her. Okay. Did you notice any cuts on her feet anywhere when you washed her feet off? No, I asked her about it. And, you know, I asked her, Did you get cut here? Is that where all this blood is from? And she said, No. And then I expected, inspected her feet and there were no cuts. Okay. When you helped bathe her later, was her arm bathed? The part that wasn't dressed? Okay. And when you bathed the part that wasn't dressed, did you have to move it around? Yes. Okay. Did Mrs. Routier ever complain of any pain to her arm when you were moving it around? No. Specifically, I'm talking about her right arm. Right, Mm mm-hmm, never complained of pain. No, okay, and during the four hours you had her, did you examine her and take careful note of her medical condition? Yes. Is that one of your duties as a nurse? Yes. Okay, let me show you some photos that have been marked STACE Exhibits 52-C and 52-B. Do those photos shows some bruising, extensive bruising, to the right arm. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Did you see any evidence of that injury for the four hours you had her in the evening hours? No, I did not. Okay. That's pretty extensive bruising, is it not? Yes. Mr. Richard Mosty then says, objection, leading. The court then says, sustained. Let's phrase the question the right way. Mr. Shook then says, well... Could you describe the bruise that you see there in these photos? It's it's a long bruise covering most of her arm. One that looks like, because it's purple, it's purple coloring. It looks like it could have happened recently. It looks like one that I might see after a blunt trauma to the chest after a person has come in right from the ER. It's the type of things that you see when a person comes up that has been in a car accident, Is that right? Mr. Mulder says, object to leading. And the court says, well, I think we're talking about blunt trauma. Go ahead and answer it if you know. And the witness then says, can you repeat it? Mr. Shook continues, what type of trauma causes that type of bruising? Mr. Mulder again says, judge, that's been asked and answered. She said she would expect that when somebody had blunt trauma to the chest and they came from the emergency room. The court then says, thank you. I'll let her answer that question. Go ahead. The witness then says, the type of bruising that I see here is the same type of bruising that I see from blunt traumas. Mr. Schutt then says, okay, and what's blunt traumas? Like a hard blow to a part of the body. Okay, did you see any evidence of that injury on her right arm in any of the four hours when you were with her? No. Okay, what time did the next nurse take over for you? 11 o'clock. Did you stay on duty at that time? Yes. What did your duties switch to at that time? I became charge nurse, and then I gave the reports to the next nurse, Denise. Okay. Mr. Toby Shook says, okay, that's all the questions I have for her, Judge. Court then says, Mr. Mosty. And Mr. Mosty's cross-examination begins. Mrs. Campbell, you were in Mrs. Routier's presence from maybe 6.45 to 11 o'clock. Right. And I guess you were doing your, did you have another patient? No. You were doing your ordinary bookwork and paperwork and making your notations and doing your other responsibilities? Mm-hmm. Yes. And when you came on, there was family there? No, there was friends there. Friends there? Yeah and they were there until you went off or not? No, they were there until about 9.30. I went off at 11 o'clock. Okay, so the first hour and 45 minutes, two hours, there were friends. Was it just friends or was it family or both? Well, most of the times it was friends. I believe her mother came in for a few minutes at the very end and they were consoling each other there. Right, amongst each other, right. And Mrs. Routier had pictures of her children, Mm Mm-hmm. and she was grieving over her children. Yeah, my babies, my babies, saying my babies. That's kind of denial, isn't it? Maybe as if my babies aren't dead or missing them. Well, I don't know what it is. That's just what I heard her say. Okay, and you have seen any number of people react differently to different events, haven't you? Yes. I mean, people react differently, don't they? People react differently, but there's some kind of commonality when someone experiences a major or when I see a family member or watch another family member die. There is just some kind of commonality. So you think all people who see a family member die react the same way? I didn't say that, no. Okay, that wouldn't be a true statement, would it? No, I didn't say that. We all react differently to the same events, don't we? Yeah. And as a matter of fact, one of the most traumatic and stressful things that a person can endure is the loss of someone close to them, isn't it? Sure. And particularly if they see that, right? I would say so. And it can absolutely just put them right into a funk, can't it? Yeah, it can. And a part of... You have at least some psychological and psychiatric training as a nurse, don't you? Not really. I mean, you don't get some of that in nursing school. We learn how we don't we learn how to listen. Okay. And so really you don't feel like you're qualified to judge psychologically how someone ought to be reacting? I'm just talking to you from my experiences. Okay. And there might be situations where somebody is in a very stressful effect. Have you heard of, for instance, combat stress, post-traumatic stress disorder? Yeah. Those kinds of things? Yes. Can cause depression? Yes. Right? Yes. And you know a depressed person has a flat, what's called a flat affect. You know that from your training, don't you? Yeah. And if someone is reacting... In the stupor of a stressful event, they might have a flat affect. Yes, they might. Okay. So, and the point of that is, do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have a brother. Okay. And y'all are different? Are we different? Right. Personality wise? Well, we're different people, right? But we have different personalities. Well, you react different to things than he does. Because we're different people, yes, and you react different than other nurses do to things. Yeah, for instance, one nurse might get up there on the witness stand and have tears in her eyes as she testified, right? I haven't seen any other nurses. So do you think that would be unusual for a nurse to do that? I'm not in a, I mean, it's fine if they do. I mean, well, some might, some might not, right? Right. Okay. Sort of, that's sort of how I feel and how I react and what my emotions are in life are unique to me, aren't they? Right. And nobody, there is nobody in the world that would react to the same event the way I would. No, I mean, because of my upbringing, of my age, of my sex, of my ethnic background, all of those things. All I was saying though, I really wasn't saying that. I was just saying there is commonalities and that's why it stood out in my head. Okay, but you aren't saying one thing is usual or unusual or proper or improper, are you? Well, all I'm saying is that it stood out in my head because I haven't seen this in the past. I haven't seen the way she reacted in the past. Okay, Well, you have no clue as to what her background is, do you? No, I didn't. How she was brought up? No, I have no clue as to anyone's background that I take care of. You don't have any idea what her life experiences have been? No, right? No. How has she typically reacted to events in the past? No. And so you have no bias whatsoever to decide what her past behavior was and what her current behavior ought to be. That's not even what I was saying though. Okay, that's exactly what, you weren't saying any of that, were you? No, all I'm saying is there's commonalities that I see in people grieving. And you aren't here at all to pass judgment on how someone ought to react in a stressful situation. I didn't say anything about should or shouldn't. Okay, good. I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page. No pun intended by that. Now, in your notes, you didn't describe her as tearful, did you? I described her as tearful, as very tearful, didn't you? Yes, I described her as tearful. Well, no, actually, it was, quote, very tearful, wasn't it? Yes, I did in my notes. More so than tearful, I mean, there's a reason for putting the word very there wasn't there she was whining my babies my babies well your words but these notes are important notes aren't they yeah I mean that's the these notes can have life and death implications if they're not accurate can't they well I'm not saying in this case but these focus notes are that important aren't they The purpose of the focus notes is to have a way of communicating to the next nurse, you know, it's a way of continuity of care. And so that everyone knows as accurately as possible what that patient's history is when they walk in and they take over that patient. Yes. Okay. And so you don't put words down here that you don't want that next nurse to rely on, right? Right. You know, she's going to, as a matter of fact, don't you? but the next nurse is also going to do an assessment of her. Sure, I mean, she shouldn't rely just on the notes. No, no, and I would never suggest that she should, but the point is, is that when you make that note, you know that the patient's care, that the next nurse is going to take that note, and then, of course, she is going to take that, and she's going to plug that into her own observation, and she's going to make notes to the next nurse, right? She will probably do her assessment first and then read the notes, okay? And then she will look for, is my assessment consistent with the last one or have we got some change here? Is there something I need to be worried about or something going on with this patient here? That's what I do, yes. Okay, so you think it's very important that you, that you accurately portray what is happening for that next nurse. Right. Okay. And you chose the words very tearful, didn't you? The reason why I chose the words very tearful is because I saw her whining. Okay. And if I say whining a lot, and this is this very important document, like you say, I mean, that gives a negative connotation to the patient and you didn't want to do that. And it was for a lack of better words. Okay, but you didn't just put moderately tearful, sometimes tearful. She was very tearful, whining a lot. Okay, very tearful is the phrase you used, right? That is the phrase I used, yes. The court says, okay, let's settle down. Let's go on to the next question. Very tearful, okay. Mr. Mosty then says, one of the things that you said was that you had asked her about Did she want to be alone? Did I remember that right? I just said, you let me know when you want these people to leave and I'll be the bad guy and I will get them to leave. Because the fact is that people who are in a stressful situation sometimes want to be alone, right? Sometimes they want people with them, right? Their emotions are going maybe like a roller coaster, right? Right. And you recognize that, right? And you're sensitive to it. And you want the patient to cope with that situation in the way the patient is comfortable with, don't you? That's right. I mean, you don't want that patient to cope with it in the way that Miss Campbell would cope with it, do you? I just wanted her to let me know if she wanted them to leave. And you didn't want, for instance, another person imposing their will on her of how she ought to be handling this, did you? I really just thought of it as if you want me to, if you want those people to leave, I'll tell them to leave. If you want to work through it by yourself, that's fine. If you want to work through it with people around you, that's fine. Whichever you want to do. I didn't say that. I said if you would like these for people to leave, I will tell them to leave. That's the same thing, isn't it? You don't have to worry about being, worry about offending someone. I'll tell them to leave. Well, that's the same thing, isn't it? Let her work through it however she thought it was appropriate. Not really. I mean, it was a lot simpler than that. It was just, if you want these people to leave, I'll tell them to leave. Okay. You didn't give that much thought to it, I guess. Actually, no. All right. I just wanted to let her know that. Okay. Now you said, I think that you bathed her. I helped to bathe her. Yes. Okay. When? Around one o'clock. Okay. And, but earlier than that, you had just bathed her feet? I washed her feet. Washed. Just washed her feet while she was in bed. Right. And I think you noticed, I think you told Mr. Shook that she had some blood on her forearms that you noticed. Right. And did you wash that off the second time when you bathed her? Right, the only thing I washed off first was her feet. And that was blood on what forearm? It was on her right. Okay, that's, and so everybody knows the forearm is from the elbow down, right? Wasn't any blood on the upper arm, was there? Well, I didn't see anything. Well, you notice these things, don't you? Right? If there were blood dried up on an upper arm? Yeah. You would have noticed that. Yes. And you would have cleaned it, wouldn't you? Right. So there wasn't any dried blood on her upper arm, was there? I didn't notice any. Okay. Miss Campbell, have you been down here since Monday too? Yes. Did you get summoned to a meeting the other day? Which time? Did you get instructed over at lunch the other day to come meet? Which meeting? I mean, yeah, we only met one time. Who, how did you know that? Who is we? The other nurses that I'm with. Okay. Did you all come down together? We, they flew us down. We came on the same plane. To where? To Kerrville. They flew you to Kerrville. We came on the same plane to Kerrville. Is that a private? I just assumed y'all came on Southwest Airlines. Y'all came on a private? No, we came on Southwest Airlines. Okay. I hadn't seen them land in Kerrville lately. So you got me. No, I'm sorry. We went to San Antonio and drove to Kerrville. You got me a little confused. All right. Did y'all rent a car together? All of the nurses and come up together. How did you do that? Well, we we took a van to Kerrville. Okay. A state van that picked y'all up. Yeah. And when did y'all come in? Monday evening? Yes. Okay. And that was all of the nurses who have come in here and testified before. And I guess Denise, who was after you? Yes. Okay. And now this meeting that is, is it okay if I describe that as a meeting the other day? What would you call it? Well, I mean, people met. I mean, people came together. I guess it was a meeting. Gathering. How about that? Yeah. Okay. At this gathering, how did you know about this gathering? I think I was told by one of the nurses to show up there. What did she tell you? To show up and show up at 12 o'clock. Where? To meet at 12 o'clock. Where were y'all meeting? In a room in the hotel. Okay. You don't remember what room or whose room? room 109. I don't know whose room it was. Okay. And who all was present there? I really, I mean, Diane, Denise, myself, Toby, Chris, Toby, the district attorney. I mean, yes, no, I'm sorry. Yes, he was there. Okay. I don't remember. I mean, there were several people there. Okay. It was a good size gathering. Yeah. Dr. Dillon there. Yeah, he was there. And did Toby tell y'all the purpose of that meeting? No. Did he sort of start it off? And I'm not suggesting there's anything wrong with this. I'm just trying to find out what it was all about. Did Toby tell you all why y'all had been? I had no idea why we were going there. Did anybody tell you why you were summoned there? Why we were asked to come to the meeting? Yes. I didn't know why we were going to come to the meeting. Well, when you got there, did somebody explain the purpose of the gathering? Well, yeah, somebody explained the purpose of that. Was that Toby? I think so. I think so. Yeah, he was. Okay. Up until this gathering, had you seen any pictures of Mrs. Routier? No, I hadn't seen any pictures. And did you at the gathering see pictures of Miss Routier? Yes. Did y'all have a table and you spread them all out or what? Yeah, there was a table and there were some pictures of her there. Okay. And were y'all standing around? Yeah, we were standing around. Okay. And were was one person talking or were there several people talking at once? Uh, several people were talking at once. Okay. Would you like be looking at one picture with one nurse and somebody else be looking at another picture with another nurse or with Dr. Dillon or with Toby? We were just all kind of looking at the pictures. I mean, was it like a group discussion? Well, I mean, we weren't all talking. It wasn't like a big group putting in input to one discussion. We were just all, well, for instance, did you say, well, I noticed this. And somebody else would say, well, I noticed that. And somebody else say, well, look at this. And somebody else say, well, what's that? And what do you think this is? And what do you think caused that? I mean, were those kinds of questions being brainstormed around the table? We were just saying like how this is a bruise, you know, what kind of bruise this was. You had expressed your opinion, I guess. Yeah, I expressed my opinion. Did everybody express their opinion? I don't know because I wasn't really listening to everyone but you heard some of the people expressing their opinions about what it was that they were looking at and what those pictures meant that they were looking at. I just heard some people say things, but it was just kind of a jumble. Everybody was talking at one time. Well, was it you've been involved in like brainstorming sessions? You know what that is. We weren't in a brainstorming session. Okay, were y'all sitting there and saying that, you know, for instance, I noticed this? Did you say, look at this? Did somebody point something out to you and say, look at this? Not really, we just looked at the pictures and I was like, we were just, we just kind of made comments on it. We didn't say, did you see this? Look at this? Or you were verbalizing what it was that you saw. Yes, verbalizing what we saw. And everybody else was verbalizing what it was they saw. Yeah, okay. Okay, how long were y'all doing this? How long did this meeting take? It was like 15 minutes, not very long. And what day was that? I don't remember. You don't remember? I think it was probably Tuesday. Okay, I sort of lost, have you sort of lost track of the days while you've been down here? Yes, I have. So have I. Mr. Mosty then says, I'll pass the witness. At which point, Mr. Toby Shook began his redirect. Mrs. Campbell, this wasn't a real long meeting, was it? No. Did I ever ask you to make up some kind of story or lie about what it was you were going to say? No. I just asked you questions about what you remember. Right. Okay. Mr. Toby Shook then says, that's all I have, Judge. The court then says, all right, you may step down, ma'am. And at this point, they adjourn until the following morning. And that'll do it for this episode. Um, On the next episode, we move into the fifth day of the trial, which occurs on January 10th, 1997. And what you're first gonna hear during that reading is the defense motion for mistrial. Um, I have not read it, but it's most likely based on what we heard about this meeting of everybody getting together, looking at the pictures of the bruises. Um, After that, we'll then hear from another nurse from Baylor, Denise Falk, and then after denise there is the testimony of thomas dean ward who is a peace officer with the city of Rowlett. now his testimony is quite long so if the episode isn't running too long i'll move into the testimony of 18 year old gustavo guzman jr and he lived at 5706 willowbrook drive in Rowlett. now this house is located one tenth of a mile from the Routiers and he had located some items in his backyard on the morning of June 6th. These items were deemed unrelated to the crime by the police. So I'm really looking forward to that testimony. So once again, thank you, thank you, thank you all for listening. I appreciate you all so much. I'll be back with another installment of the trial very, very soon and until then stay safe everyone.